0: Hello and welcome to the Path of Most Persistence. This is a place where we hear and share tenacious stories of overcoming obstacles with our partners who dare to share a bit of their own personal paths. Dr. David DeSosa has over 19 years of higher education experience in student recruitment, international programs, and retention. He currently serves as the Associate Director for the Engineering Academies at Texas A&M University. Dr. DeSosa holds a bachelor of science degree in agriculture development from Texas A&M University and an MBA from Texas Women's University and a PhD from Texas A&M University in agriculture leadership, education, and communication, in addition to two associate's degrees from Blinn College. He believes it's his privilege to work with students, guiding them in making decisions that positively impact their future. David, thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This is um, exciting to me because you are the Associate Director for the Academies. And um, I, as I've had a conversation previously with Dr. Lolly, I'm a big fan of the Academies. So to have you with me today in this time uh, means a lot. But let's start off with your position and for those, our audience, that don't know about the academies, what are the academies?
1: Absolutely. So the Texas a Engineering Academy program, it's a um, program where we partner with community colleges across the state. As of right now, we have eight community colleges that we have partnered with. Um, and we also have industry partners as well. So students in the Engineering Academy program are co Road, uh, both at Texas A&M University and at one of these partner colleges. So they can stay anywhere from one to two years, um, and then they don't transfer to Texas A&M. They transition to Texas A&M and finish their degree either here in College Station or in Galveston or in the McAllen Center as well in South Texas. The benefit of this program is that um, since they're Aggies from day one, they get a Texas A&M ID. They are able to use our engineering facilities when they come to campus. We also bring the students to campus multiple times a year because we really want them to feel that they're part of the Aggie family. Um, So, for example, this year, we already brought the students um, three times. So um, we're planning to also bring in them um, later this spring for a um, tailgate. Um, So it's just a um, program where students can stay locally and also save money. Mm -hmm. I was a um, community college student myself, and I'm very passionate about this program because I see a lot of the students um, the way I was um, several years ago.
0: Yes. Okay. I'm going to get to that because I want to get to your background. But you explained a lot about the academies, um, what you do for students. But I want to go back to two phrases that you use, two words that you use to really distinguish this program. You use the word transition versus transfer. So if our audience didn't catch it, I just want to make sure that we distinguish what the difference is between those two terms?
1: Absolutely. So, what I mean about transition is that our students are already a Texas A&M student. So, they what they do pretty much is just just pack um, their stuff and move to College Station mm-hmm. or one of our locations. Mm-hmm. Um, for transfer students, it's different. They have mm-hmm. to complete a transfer application through apply mm-hmm. Texas mm-hmm. and then go through the um, transfer application process. Mm-hmm. Our students are just like the freshmen. They're mm-hmm. here um, at Texas A&M in the College of Engineering. Mm-hmm. They go through the entry to a major process. Right. Um, so they're really at the same level as our students here. So they compete together mm-hmm. with the students in College Station um, for one of the 22 majors that are currently offered um, through the entry to a major
0: process. Thank you for covering that because I think for the whole concept of what an academy is, I think sometimes people think, okay, was well, that kind of like a, a junior program? But I just want it to be very uh, distinctive that they are, like you said, A&M students. They're just in a different location. All the things, they get all the activities because you guys, as you mentioned earlier, you're bringing them on campus for all the activities. Correct. Mm. That is so uh, beneficial. And I love um, that concept too, just because of my background in secondary education. But it does, it makes um, the prestigious Texas A&M University, the College of Engineering, so much more attainable for those that just can't leave home.
1: That is correct. And it provides that opportunity to the population of our state. Mm-hmm. We are a land-grant institution. We're here to serve the population of our state, and it's a, a way um, to do It's through the engineering academies. In addition to that, there is a big need of engineers, not mm-hmm. only in Texas, but in the United States and the world. And we really um, try um, to fulfill
0: that need as okay. well. I, I love that you brought that up. So- <laughs> When you say that need of engineers, I'm sure you've encountered situations that I'm getting ready to outline here. (laughs) So for us, sometimes when we work with young people, when we talk about the possibilities of being an engineer, I think some of them have a preconceived notion of what an engineer is. And, you know, I've had this practice with some young people, and I'll say, close your eyes. Mm You know, what does an engineer look like? What does a nurse look like? What does your teacher look like? And in their mind, for whatever reason, it's something very distinctive. But we wanna break those molds for a lot of students. So for the young people that are listening, what does an engineer look like? What can they look like?
1: They can look um, at, I mean, all um, different backgrounds, really. It can be male, um, female, um, it can be individuals from different ethnicities. Yes. It's mostly for those people that love to solve problems. They are mm-hmm. problem solvers. And um, usually when I meet with students, when they ask me, what is an engineer? What is engineering? Mm-hmm. I ask them to look around. Just look around um, this classroom. Look around um, this building. Um, all of this were. um designed by engineers, and that's what engineers do. They invent, uh, they build, they are problem solvers. Mm
0: -hmm. I love it. Thank you for phrasing Mm -hmm. it that way. So back to what you were saying in the opening, you started off your educational career at Lynn College. That's correct. (laughs) So why does the academies resonate so much with you and your background?
1: Well, it's it's so interesting um, because I have... um, three siblings, two of them um, went straight to Texas A-Name. Um, and then whenever it was um, my turn to ap- apply to Texas A-Name, um, our family was going through a lot of financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. And um, so my option really was to start at a community college, although mm-hmm. I did not know much about the community college system. Mm-hmm. Then, of yes. course, it coming from another country, yes. from from Brazil, uh, but I knew it was a place where I could start and then later transfer mm-hmm. to to Texas A and M University. So I started at Blinn. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the first day I went to Blinn College. There was a, a line of uh, that we had to wait for three hours um, <laughs> just 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 to enroll. And I had no idea what courses to take. I didn't mm-hmm. know exactly what I wanted to study. But I knew that's where I started to start taking my basics. Yeah. Um, so, so then what I did, um, I, I took um, the regular core curriculum courses, mm-hmm. um, which are the math, sciences, the histories, um, the government courses. So I registered for that. And then throughout time, um, I worked with an advisor, mm-hmm. both at Blaine College and at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm and um, the advisor at Texas A&M told me exactly what courses I needed to take Mm. in order to transfer to Texas A&M and what GPA I needed to maintain as well. So for financial reasons, I stayed at Bling as long as I could. Um, So I stayed there for um, two years um, Mm. and then I transferred to Texas A&M University, to the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. Mm-hmm. So so my goal um, back then um, when I decided on a major yeah. to major in agriculture was mm-hmm. to work in the industry yes. field. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was a senior in college, I was invited by the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences by one of the associate deans mm-hmm. to do recruitment. Um, student recruitment, both in Houston and South Texas. Mm-hmm. And that's where I fell in love with higher <laughs> education. <laughs> so when I graduated from Texas A&M University, instead of going into working for the in industry, the agriculture industry, I really wanted to do something different, something that I fell in love with, which it was um, higher education. So my first job out of college, um, was working for Texas A&M at the Dallas Prospective Student Center as a recruiter. Um, So my job was to recruit high school students, and my other focus was transfer students.
0: Okay. So because I'm a professional educator myself, (laughs) Let's talk about that falling in love with education. Okay. (laughs) So what was it? Since you, that was not in your plans to go into higher education, it probably wasn't in your plans to ever work as a recruiter, of young people going into education. So what was it that made you fall in love?
1: It was talking to prospective students um, when students had no idea what college was like, Mm -hmm. what um what why get an education and I was able to just share my own story mm-hmm. with them and why I chose the field that I chose of study mm-hmm. and and then af- after that I um, stayed in higher education I have been working nice. the higher education field of course for over 19 years now mm-hmm. um, and I, I thought about leaving a few times yeah. um uh, because um when I was younger of course I thought about um finances. All the possibilities yes, <laughs> and other, all the other yes, uh, possibilities options. correct but deep inside I knew I was just happy um uh, with what I did and yeah. I I feel a uh, great fulfillment inside me just helping other um s- students so
0: there's a beauty in it. And I use that word intentionally because there is something about working with young people, especially about their future, that just is so exciting. Um, for me, it's that moment, I think, when you see that they notice something about themselves or they are all of a sudden inspired about their own possibilities, maybe. I don't know.
1: Exactly. I'll say
0: all of their above. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, too, just the fact that, just hearing what you shared about your own story, I think that knowing that your story, your experience, gives hope to someone, that's gratifying too. It has to be.
1: Yes, um, absolutely, and I also share my story with a lot of students that mm-hmm. apply to Texas a and University, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason. They're not happy with the offer mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. received from Texas a and M, And I say, wait, it's it's not the end. You can still be an Aggie. Yes. There are multiple ways and pathways that can get you here. And mm-hmm. I'll share my pathway and, 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 and how I got here. And I, I tell students that um, I went through the community college pathway. Mm-hmm. For students that are interested in, in engineering, if Um, They're not happy with the offer that they received from Texas A&M. They wanted to be in College Station immediately. I tell them about how the different pathway works. And then, of course, I share about the one that I'm passionate about, which is the Engineering Academy um, pathway.
0: As passionate as you are with working with young people and their future, what are some of the challenges? Because it's not... Again, as much as I love working with young people, it's not always easy and it's not always fun. Sometimes it can be challenging or frustrating. What are those aspects for you?
1: Well, I would say some of the frustrations can be just um, the fact that my current role when I work with a student is starting at a community college, Mm. it's a good option for many students. Unfortunately, some students can see it as a, um, a um, they're not going to receive the same type of education as starting at a university. It's lesser in some it's, way. Yes, mm-hmm. and some um, may feel that they would be lower compared to um, other students that are starting at a right. university, but... Um, but my goal is to, to share with them that that is not the case. They will get very quality education um, at a two-year institution. You
0: just have a different start. And yes, have just different a different start. Yeah, yes, you have different it, starts in life.
1: That's, that's exactly. And in addition to that, it, would, it can add um, more degrees to the resume. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. me, I mean, I was fortunate that I got to a associate's degree Yes. out of um, this deal, so yes. uh, which I had, honestly, I did not know about it. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me that um, when I transferred to Texas a and mm-hmm. I did not complete my associate's degree at Blaine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know at the time about reverse transferring.
0: Oh, interesting. Let's talk <laughs> about that. Explain that.
1: Sure. So, so what students can do, and actually... Um, that has been placed for many years now, is that if they don't complete their associate's degree, they can transfer to a four-year institution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of our students, they transition to a four-year institution. Mm -hmm. And then after one or more semesters, Mm -hmm. they can send their transcript back to the two-year institution, the community college, and the community college will evaluate and see if a student has enough credits to be given an associate's degree. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um I actually got my associate's degree at the same time that I got my PhD. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I tell that's really unique. That (laughs) is unique. I tell students all the time about the benefit of um associates degree about starting at a community college. I have to be an example too. So so, so that's what I did. Um, I sent my transcripts back to Blaine College and I thought I was gonna get an Associate of Science in yes. Agriculture, but no, I got another one. I got a bonus. So I also received an Associate of Arts in Social Sciences.
0: Okay, for those <laughs> that are listening in and that have advanced degrees, they might ask, okay, David, you have a PhD. Why would you go back and get Associate's degrees? Why did you do that? What is the purpose of going back to get associate's degrees when you already have a master's and a PhD?
1: Well, um, it's it's of course it's more degrees that um, will be that they can put on their resume, That's right. and also it's, it helps um, the candidate or the person just to share their story as okay. well on a resume. I was a community college student, so I I started a community college, and I was able to also complete additional degrees as well. And what so,
0: a great sense of accomplishment, too. I mean, exactly. for, again, as I was prepping for our talk, I thought, David has five degrees, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's impressive, so for those um, that like to complete, like to say that they've completed this program, this task. They've earned this. That's a great sense of accomplishment, I would imagine.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, with the Engineering Academy program with our students, when the student transition, if they do not have an associate's, we send them emails, hey, make sure that um, you work with our registrar's office to send your transcript back mm-hmm. to Um, your community college, to see if they can award you another degree as well, because that would only help you.
0: So uh, what I'm also hearing is all the support that the academies provide Mm -hmm. to the students. I know way back when I started college, um, I was kind of floundering, trying to figure it out all myself. Now, probably most of that that was on me, not looking for help or maybe not knowing how to help. So, with the academies, is there an outline, and expectation um, of what students can expect as far as support? Do you guys also communicate a lot with parents or is it only with the student?
1: So we do with parents Mm -hmm. um, in the very beginning Mm -hmm. with the application process and also orientation. After that, um, a lot of our students are either over 18 or um, they're about to turn 18. And that's where most of our communication really goes directly with the student. Um, But, of course, um, there are parents that we meet that uh, oftentimes want to contact with us. But, of course, uh, we have to follow the FERPA regulations um, for that as well and uh, we have to make sure that we have all the documents in place and uh, and also the student is present in a lot of the conversations as well but absolutely I mean we we start working with parents um um a lot of times when even the students are is a freshman or even in in middle school (laughs) and then a lot of parents just fall in love with Programs like mm-hmm. I really want my son or daughter to be in this academy mm-hmm. when um, when he or she graduates from, mm-hmm. from high school.
0: And mm-hmm. just to repeat, how many academies are there currently?
1: There are right now eight academies.
0: Very good. And can you list them off?
1: <laughs> I can. Um, so we have one um, with Blink College, mm-hmm. which is the closest to us. So with Blink Brenham. Houston Community College. We have another one with Austin Community College. Alamo Community College District, which our Texas A&M classroom is housed in the Northeast Lakeview campus. Um, We have a partnership with Dallas Community College. Um, We have another one with Midland College and um, South Texas College and um, Tarrant County College that is also in the Dallas-Fort Worth
0: area. So exciting. Are, are there any plans for any additional academies that you can speak of?
1: Um, there are plans. We want to be all over the state.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, make the state maroon. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's, that is our plan. <laughs> nice,
0: nice. So I want to turn a little bit. Earlier, you mentioned that you were originally from Brazil. Okay, how old were you when you came to Texas first, or That's did correct. you end up okay to Texas? Yes, to
1: College Station. Texas. Oh, directly, Actually, to College Station. Me, more like Bryan, Texas. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, but okay. we moved to the Bryan um, College Station area um, because my father came here to get his uh, master's oh, degree. Oh, very good. So I was 11 years old mm. and that's when um, my father gave me a tour of Texas and a university. That was August of 1992. That feels like <laughs> yesterday, right? It, does. <laughs> it was yesterday. And I knew then that's where I wanted to go. I, I knew I wanted to be an Aggie, and I wanted uh, to study here.
0: So your father was a student here? He,
1: he was. He was a student. Okay. Um, yeah, environmental science. In,
0: So I'm assuming in your home, uh, academics was, is important.
1: It is very important Mm -hmm. Um, on, yeah, both sides, on my dad's side and my mother's side as well. So a little bit about my family um, story. Um, It all started with my grandfather on my father's side. He came to the United States in the 1930s. Mm. He was a diplomat for the Brazilian government in Washington, D.C. He met my grandmother, uh, which is American. (laughs) Um, um, Then later in the late 1930s, they moved back to Brazil. Mm -hmm. My father was born in Brazil, Mm -hmm. but when he was five, um, they all moved back to the United States. My grandfather went to medical school, um, lived in multiple parts of the country. Um, my fa- my father grew up in the panhandle of Texas, mm-hmm. in Plainview, Texas. Yes. Um, he went to Texas Tech, mm-hmm. um, and then he went back to Brazil and met my mother. My grandfather s- stayed, and he's... Um, Last job in the United States was working for Texas M University. Oh, it's in at- your blood. It's in your blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your blood. At the Beautiful uh-huh. um, Health Center here on mm. campus. And in the late 1970s, he retired and went back to Brazil. But, um, and then um, in 1992, when I was 11, is when my family decided to move to the United States. I did not know a word of English, so that's why you probably have noticed the uh, accent. I, <laughs> I noticed nothing. Your, your English is perfect. Um, so, um, so the interesting thing that I always um, tell a lot of people is that my second language was not English. Mm-hmm. My second language language was spanish because the school which was jane long middle school they put me in the esl class and all of the students there uh, were spanish speakers and i needed to communicate and um Portuguese and Spanish are very similar. Mm-hmm. So that was actually my second language. Yes, and then yes. throughout time, I, I learned English.
0: Mm. So you have a sensitivity to students that have a similar background or having to navigate uh, the language.
1: Yes. Because that
0: adds an extra layer of difficulty and challenge.
1: Absolutely. And also just coming to a totally new place. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. With different, every, everything is different. Different processes, yes. and um, and in addition to that, my parents moved a lot too. Mm-hmm. So I started at Jane Long Middle School, which is in Bryan. Yes. Then a year later, they moved. We moved to another middle school, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was Saber and Middle School at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, I went to Bryan High School. Um, and then my parents decided to move to College Station. So in high school, I you moved to and consolidated, which is great. At the same time, it was very challenging because yes. it's always hard to go to a new place. But I think it really helped me um, make who I am today, I, it helped me become more adaptable. To situations.
0: No doubt. Well, let's talk about that because I think you probably weren't that appreciative of it at the time. I and was it was not. So you it was making you more adaptable, right? It was not <laughs> something you can appreciate. Now, That's But at the correct. time, how did you navigate that especially as a young person when you know you're going through awkward phases oh, and the whole peer pressure <laughs> thing? How did you manage? How did you Cope with the changes of moving.
1: Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, I just had to accept it and just really try my best. And it wasn't—I wasn't alone, you know. Right. On all of that, uh, I have a sibling mm-hmm. that's one year older than I am, and we all we went through it together, together. <laughs> as well. So I think that helped a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that again—that lends all that experience lends itself in, to guiding students to help them understand what could um, they could be in for once they go off to college or that's just right. navigating terrains that they've never been in before. So that experience is really helpful, I'm sure.
1: Yes, it, it was definitely helpful for me. And I do believe in order for us to grow, mm-hmm. we have to go through challenges. We have to go through trials. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just part of life. Um, and that's what really makes us Stronger, and it's it's all about how you deal with struggles, how you deal with those challenging moments in your life, mm-hmm. and um, I, I I do believe in God, and yes. um, I feel that you just have to. It's all how you handle it when you go through difficult times, and I try to put a smile yes. on my face and. Um, just, um, just see it um, as a blessing, even when I go through difficult times. And
0: it's just a moment. It's, Hopefully, it's, it's just temporary. It's
1: yeah. temporary, and it is. Most yes. of those times are temporary, yes. and it's it's all about how we, we we handle
0: it. That perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, with all of those changes and and challenges of moving around, what were some of the bonuses of doing that? You know, there may not have been many, but what were some of the positive outcomes of moving around, even from country to country, you know, back and forth visiting, or just when you actually, when you all made Texas your home, Blinn or College Station your home, what were some of the benefits of that, or even going from school to school?
1: Well, I, um, some of the benefits, um, like for example, going from Brazil to, United States, um, was, of course, um, culturally learning about uh, and experience Mm -hmm. a new culture in multiple cultures because there are so many cultures here (laughs) in the United States. Um, That is one. The other one was if I stayed in Brazil, I don't think I would have learned English or Spanish. Mm -hmm. So, and... And also all of the job opportunities and just my career and the career that I've made here Mm -hmm. and um, and also the fulfillment that I have with my my job Um, as as for high school um, at the time, it was great because I got to meet. A lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, of course, there were some, There were friendly, others not too friendly. Right. But that's part of it.
0: <laughs> right. True. True. Yeah. Mm. So, I want to talk a little bit about your degrees. So, you started off with, um, I want to make sure, the agriculture development. Yes. Okay. Why agriculture? What was it about agriculture that uh, you found interesting?
1: Well, it's because it's in my family. Um, my my father, um, his career, he was a soil scientist, mm-hmm. um, an agronomist um, in Brazil. He worked in Brazil. He worked in Africa and other countries in South mm-hmm. America. Um, my mother um, grew up in a farm. She, When she was little, she helped my grandfather pick coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And also, my grandfather on my father's side, before he became a medical doctor here in the United States, he was an entomologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was in my family. And when we were um, in Brazil as well, I was um, I was around agriculture um, a lot. Mm-hmm. So so when I was at Blaine. I said, might as well do something that I enjoy, yes. something that I'm familiar with, yes. which it was agriculture. Mm. Um, and I was able to do, which is, I had a great time as a yes. student here at yes. Texas A&M. Um, I did two agricultural internships. One yes. of them was with a um, multinational food company called Cargill, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, the other one, was with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, mm. which that was super fun. Which is going on right now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Will you visit? Will you
0: uh, go to the rodeo or to any of the activities, the fair, or any of the concerts while um, that's going on? I,
1: while I was there, I was really working all day. I yes. didn't have much time <laughs> to see um, a lot of the different areas mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the rodeo. Um, but, but I still had fun. I was actually responsible for the swine area yes. of the, um, of, of, of the, um, his lifestyle showing rodeo.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. But you started there, and you also, I know your PhD is from, with agriculture, but your focus was on leadership, education, and communication. So why?
1: Um, the reason, um, was because um, I, I knew that I wanted to go in one of those fields, and I loved agriculture, and I loved education. <laughs> and um, the leadership and communication parts are always um, bonuses. <laughs> so, so that is the reason I chose that Ph.D. program. But my emphasis was on international development Mm -hmm. and also, um, education, agricultural education. But my dissertation was on transfer students, Mm -hmm. so, um, I decided to do my um, dissertation on transfer students transitioning um, to a four year institution mm-hmm. which are link grant institutions yes, in the yes. southwest part of the united states
0: mm, which worked out perfectly for you yes what you are and what you're working on exactly mm-hmm. and so w- with some of the results of your studies and your research what were some of the aspects that were new to you or maybe something that really surprised you from that research that study
1: yeah, absolutely. So part of the study, I uh, it was a qualitative research. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed individuals from multiple offices and departments mm-hmm. here at Texas A&M. And I just wanted to see what process or what methods they used to advise students. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is that um, students, some of the individuals that I interviewed, um, I was told that they um, advise students the same regardless where they are from or their background. Mm-hmm. And and my findings was it needs to be a little bit different because mm-hmm. um, you have first-generation students. Those yes. students do need more um, I would say yes. more help, more guidance than yes. a student that it's coming from um, a family where their parents went to college, yes. Yes. Uh, international students as well. Mm-hmm. I see it in myself when we came to the U.S. Yes. I was lost. A lot of those students are lost. So they do need more attention. So, uh, yeah, my findings was that we really need to, to pay more attention and know the students, mm-hmm. understand their background, make them feel Welcome is as well here feel that they belong at a at the four-year institution
0: So for educators or even in higher education or even perhaps secondary or elementary What can we do to make students feel? More welcome help them transition better. Just what are some of the day-to-day? I don't know maybe intentional activities that you do with them or what are maybe some subtle um, activities that you can do with students just to help them adjust?
1: Absolutely. So one of my recommendations was mm-hmm. to use a, a appreciative advising <laughs> model. And what that is really is just a, an, um, a model that it shows um, that you care, mm-hmm. that you really, really care. Um, but, it's, but you just don't have to show it. It needs to come from inside of you. Um, So looking at that model or some other similar models, but um, honestly, it's important that you are in education not for the paycheck. You're there really for helping the student um, and making sure that they have the tools they need to succeed
0: it doesn't matter how much we know, it doesn't matter how much information we have, because if we don't care, nobody cares about what we know, what we have to offer.
1: That's correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: And people sense that really quickly, I think. They can pick up on that. I think that's in the subtleties of how we um, communicate with people, how we communicate the information, but just on what we do every day. I think people are always watching, they're always listening to us, aren't they?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: One of the other aspects I really want to spend some time on too, you mentioned it, it's that perception or the misperception maybe that starting at a junior college um, is lesser than. Mm-hmm. I started off as at a junior college and, and so many of my family and friends have and so many of you know, those with whom we work, but how can we change the culture around that David, what can we do as people in the field, working with young people and parents and community to help change? Because it's a cultural aspect. It goes far beyond because we can have great messaging. We can have all the great materials to, to talk about how it's just as good. It's even better sometimes. But culturally, what can we do to change that whole notion that it's lesser than the start off?
1: Yes. um, I I think one of the ways is that um, we need to do a better job in doing more outreach Mm -hmm. about um, community colleges and individuals that are that have been very successful that started at at a two year institution. um, highlighting a lot of those examples. Mm-hmm. I believe that can be a way. Yes. Um, of course, um, when I go out to the high schools and I talk to students about um, starting the community colleges, a lot of students are already um Duo enrolled at a community yeah. college say, no, I'm already a community college student. Yes. I'm ready for college. Yes. It's like, well, you can't stay one more year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, yes. In, and instead of being um, dual enrolled with um, your high school, you're not going to be doing enrolled with Texas A&M. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and you, you can still stay locally. You can still um, s- save a lot of money that way.
0: And I think the, the foresight of the university having these academies is changing the culture, too, that such a reputable institution, Texas A&M, that's encouraging, that's allowing for these academies at junior colleges. I think that in itself changes culture.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, These partnerships are definitely doing that. University of Houston has a engineering academy mm-hmm. in Houston with two locations now. Nice. And, and it's so great to see that other universities are um, following and they can see our success and mm-hmm. are doing similar programs
0: mm-hmm. as well. So what do we have to look forward to next? I know you can't talk about the new academies uh, <laughs> that may or may not be coming up through the state. But do you have any activities throughout your academy, like this academic year? What's happening maybe this month, next month? Do y'all have any activities you'd like to share or talk about?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we have a brand new academy uh, that just opened up two weeks ago. (laughs) It's with South Texas College. Mm -hmm. So we're very excited about that Um, on March 7th. Um, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do two information in-person information sessions. Um, one at noon, another one at six thirty.
0: Just really quickly, where? What's the location? What city is that in?
1: It's in McAllen, Texas. McAllen. Okay, just yes. wanted the audience to know. Yes. Okay, very <laughs> Thank good. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in addition to that, we're doing in-person information sessions. In addition to virtual through Zoom. Sessions And all of that information can be found on the Engineering Academy's mm-hmm. website.
0: Nice. Okay. That's March 7th.
1: Yes. Um, the in-person one in South Texas College in McAllen will be March 7th. Mm-hmm. But um, we have um, virtual info sessions mm-hmm. every two weeks. Nice. So so we just ask the audience just to go online and, and please join um and attend one of our information sessions,
0: well, we'll, or oh, multiple ones. <laughs> wonderful, and we'll make sure to disseminate that information as well. But for the summer, does does the academies as an organization, as a unit, do you all do anything special during the summer that students or parents can look forward to?
1: Yes, absolutely. So for um, rising seniors, we, mm-hmm. we continue to have these information sessions. We still go out to... Um, community events, um, and we also do our virtual uh, information sessions. So it never stops. Well, it (laughs) It never stops. stops. Recruitment (laughs) never stops. And that's also the time that we do our orientations for the um, students that are starting in the fall. Mm -hmm. So summer is a busy time as well. We're getting those students prepared to enroll in our program.
0: As we begin to close out our conversation, what else, David, what else do we need to talk about? What else would you like to highlight before we close?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I just want to, to say and uh, reiterate that starting at a, at a two-year institution is definitely a, a good path for a lot of students. And, and it was for me, it was for a lot of our students in the Engineering Academy. Program.
0: Me too. <laughs> yes. Nice. So I did not know you <laughs> yes. had
1: started it and, yes. and you went all the way to your doctoral yes. degree yes. as well. So the community college really gives us this very strong foundation mm-hmm. and, and it gives this foundation to go and get our master's and our doctoral
0: degree. And well. each degree, I think, gives you that not only the knowledge but that self-assurance that, you know what?
1: I if can I, do this. I can do this, yes. I can do it,
0: and I can do more things. That's That's wonderful.
1: right, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: well, on that note, I wanna thank you, David, for coming in and sharing your information about the academies and your own personal experience. <laughs> um, I, I think we just can't share enough about the academies and all the hard work you all do, because I know you all are everywhere and you work very, very hard.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: So to our audience, thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you've had the opportunity to listen to the entire conversation and all of our other conversations on all of our platforms. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.